You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host David Drogemeyer and on today's show, also joined by one of the original members of the show, John Kegley. Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Before we get started, we are three riders who got our starts at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers for over six seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome and a special thank you to anyone who is checking out the show today for the first time. We really appreciate that. And another special thank you to all of our loyal listeners coming back to check in with us again. If you guys don't already, because of the daily format of the show, the easiest way to get it is by subscribing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. We have a loaded show for you guys today. We're going to start with some more draft news because the Chargers have been linked to Buffalo running back Jarrett Patterson, who put up some historic numbers in 2020. And then in the second segment, we're going to be talking about Forrest Lamp because one of our listeners sent us a conversation about Forrest Lamp, sent us a conversation that he had with Forrest Lamp on the DMs of Twitter. And what we're really going to be getting into is if Forrest Lamp is somebody that we want to bring back to the Chargers, if it seems like he thinks He's going to be coming back to the Chargers and why you don't buy a jersey unless you know a guy is going to be under contract because it can come back and bite you in the ass. And then to wrap up the show today, we're going to be getting into an article that is talking about projecting the current Chargers free agents contracts and what there's going, what those are going to be like. Guys like Michael Davis, Melvin Ingram and more at the end of the show and what one Bolt beat writer thinks is going to happen with that. So let's go ahead and get into it. This is about the time when a draft news starts rolling out, and we've already started to see the Chargers have been linked to some teams. The last time we talked about it, it was Darius Stills, the West Virginia defensive lineman. And today, we have a running back to talk about because Justin M. of the Draft Network reported, Buffalo running back Jarrett Patterson has recently met virtually with the Bills, Titans, Chargers, Patriots, and Jets. So this is another guy that... We didn't really know he would be on the Chargers radar at all, especially at that position. I think that's a big question going into this offseason is how big of a need is running back even. So it is a little bit surprising to see they're reaching out to a running back. But at the same time, hey, you're going to meet with a lot of people. This doesn't really mean anything is concrete as far as how much the Chargers are going to be targeting him. And also, as you can tell, there's other teams that were very interested. But David, this is a guy who put up some pretty ridiculous numbers in college, and it's easy to see why the Chargers would be intrigued. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about an athlete that dominated his field of play, then Jarrett Patterson is definitely that guy. If you look at his stats, they are gaudy. I mean, they're the definition of gaudy. I mean, 1,013 yards his first year. 1,799 yards his second year with 19 touchdowns. And then in 2020, in six games, he has over 1,000 yards rushing. And again, 19 touchdowns in six games. So this guy, I mean, when you put on the tape, he's explosive. I mean, he's a small guy. He's only five foot nine, 195 pounds. He's stocky, but 
the the word that kept coming to mind when watching his tape was that he's slippery. He just he has a, an ability to work through the hole. He has a, a good ability to break tackles, and you know he seems like he escapes to the open field more often than not. He's ripping off big big plays. I mean, as evidenced by his numbers. But I mean, this kid playing at the MAC. I mean, that's probably one of my, one of my biggest concerns, Daniel. Is just the level of competition that he played against. But I mean. He played in the Mac, so I mean, he did what he had. He did what he was supposed to do in that league. He dominated. Um, we'll see what that prospects over to the NFL level, but he was really, really good at Buffalo. Yeah, and having eight touchdowns in one game. I mean, that's so ridiculous against Kent State. I mean, that was just. I mean, the holes he was running through in that game were pretty gigantic but I do think there's a lot of things to like about him I mean he's a very decisive runner he makes good burst through the hole his acceleration is really good especially because he's a smaller guy he can get zero to 60 pretty quick and he's very physical for his side obviously some of the downsides is the people that he played against like you mentioned he doesn't have great top end speed and I would say the other thing too is only 20 career receptions is something that would also be a little bit concerning too, just because this doesn't look like a guy that has the workhorse frame to just be a runner. And I don't think he will only be used as a runner at the next level. But John, you definitely laid out to us before the show how you think someone like this who was so impressive could be a fit for the Chargers. Yes, even though he played against some bad guys, things that he showed were things that some guys in the NFL would typically struggle with. So for example... When he saw a hole, he hit it. He ran straight forward, straight through the hole, didn't try to make any other moves, just saw it and ran straight forward. And if you notice, whenever he does that, he gained pretty big yards. If you're in the NFL and you get even a slight bit of a hole and you hit it hard enough, you can easily get eight yards in the NFL, which in the NFL, that's a good run. So someone like that, they'll just hit the hole and run at full speed, not try to make an extra cut, not try to look for a second cut back. Like, for example, this guy kind of reminded me a little bit of Brennan Oliver, but I would say the difference between him and Brandon Oliver is when Oliver got through the hole, he was looking for another cutback to try to make it a bigger play. Sometimes he ran into another linebacker, and he'd have to use his physicality to gain like three yards or four yards with it. But with Patterson, he just hits that hole and he just runs. If he gets tackled, he got at least eight or ten yards, or he just broke a tackle and went for a touchdown. That, I think, would work well if the Chargers do like a zone blocking scheme or something. Yeah, and I think overall he's a better athlete than Brandon Oliver was and a better pure runner than Brandon Oliver was. He did a lot of the things he did, especially the splashy plays were in the passing game for him. But two Buffalo guys, I mean, this guy is going to get drafted unlike Brandon Oliver. And I think we have seen guys from small schools have success everywhere. I mean, look at who the Chargers' main running back is right now, Austin Eckler, another smaller back who has more speed than Jarrett Patterson does. But I would say that Jarrett Patterson's natural rushing ability would definitely contend with Austin Eckler's. I mean, he is a one-cut guy. He would obviously fit the scheme that Brandon Staley and this new offense are going for if they're making this meeting happen. And I mean, you would obviously have to think that, hey, if they're doing that, at least he would seem like someone they could potentially look at to fit in whatever scheme they're going to be rolling out. So I think those are all the things he has in his in his favor. To me, David, I just, I wonder what the price would be. I mean, this is a guy who, we don't really know where he's going to go right now. If you're looking on the draft network, he could be going as high as like the third round as far as the prospects they have available. Other places you could see him being a day three pick. But the biggest question is, is how much of a need is running back for this team? Should they be spending draft picks on running backs when they have so many other bigger needs to fill? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I, I don't know if running back is going to be important enough on the docket to invest a draft pick in when there are several other positions of need that should be much higher up on the pecking order as far as things that need to get addressed. And we'll look back at the track record of the Chargers with free agent running backs and running backs in the draft. I mean, it just hasn't worked out well. I mean, they invested, they traded up to get Melvin, Melvin Gordon. That didn't work. They have drafted Joshua Kelly in the fourth round. That didn't hasn't really worked out so far. A little bit too early to determine whether that's going to work out in the future. But And then they get Austin Eckler as an undrafted free agent. I just think the valuation for running backs, unless they're a once-in-a-lifetime talent that's going to you know, absolutely just wreck shop in the NFL, then I just don't think it's a smart idea, especially for the Chargers, to go after a running back at all in the draft. And I wouldn't be upset if they did take a running back, especially very late on in the draft, and if they keep all their picks, because they have nine picks in this upcoming draft of, hey, you want to use that pick that you used on Desmond King, or got for Desmond King, I should say, and use that on a running back in the sixth round. Okay, that doesn't bother me very much, but I think where they are taking the running back is what's important, and I think you even saw another example last year where James Robinson from the Jaguars comes out and is one of the best rookies in the league and is you know pretty much as good as Jonathan Taylor statistically his rookie season and he was an undrafted free agent you know so you can find value outside of the draft at running back if I'm trying to build a roster and I know that what the Chargers biggest needs are and the places they most need to find guys that can keep under control before your contract I'm looking at many other positions before running back but it's all about value so we'll see how this new coaching staff influences how the Chargers value running backs coming up in the 2021 NFL Draft. But we do have two more segments to get into because we are going to get into a Forrest Lamp and fan interaction that had Forrest Lamp saying he doesn't know if he'll be back in Los Angeles in 2021. And then we're going to wrap the show up with some of the projected Chargers internal free agent contracts that they will be getting during this free agency period. We're going to get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys, that the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Chargers podcast is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Even if you don't like sports, BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and even reality TV. I mean, even doing during the Super Bowl, I mean, there were so many crazy prop bets you could choose from, and I always love using prop bets. But they also have really good real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website and use your mobile device. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag. When you use the promo code LOCKDOWN, you can get that 50% welcome bonus. That is free money to play with, guys, only at BetOnline.ag. So yesterday we got something in our Locked On Chargers Twitter DMs and it was from Tony Carrillo III on Twitter who was sending us some screenshots and I was like, what the hell is this? But it was actually pretty cool because what he was sending me is a conversation that he had with Forrest Lamp, the Chargers left guard starter last season. And he was just saying, you know, how much he loved Forrest Lamp and how he's going to buy his jersey. And one of the things that I thought was interesting from that was him saying, hey, love it, man. Might want to wait in case it's somewhere else. Hope I'm in L.A., but you never know. In this business, I'm from Venice, Florida. Jacksonville is nice. And 
I don't take that as he wants to go to Jacksonville or go to Florida. I think he was just saying that because Tony lives in Jacksonville, so that's why he was saying it. But it was cool to see this interaction. I mean, I hope I'm not you know putting Forrest Lamp on blast or anything. He didn't really say anything crazy here, but I think he, what he just did, John, was show that it is a business. He doesn't know if he's going to be back with Chargers. He's headed into unrestricted free agency. And we'll get into, you know, whether we want Forrest Lamp back or not. But I kind of just took this as, as like, hey, he's, you know, being kind of cool to this fan saying, hey, man, you might want to hold up. I don't want, you know, using your money to get a Lamp jersey if I'm going to be on a different team in 2021. Yeah, that's basically what he is saying. And Lamp doesn't know his future. We don't know his future. So he's probably just saying, hey, you don't want to just buy my jersey. And the next thing you know, I'm gone and you're upset. And I would if you want that jersey, you, you should get it. I would do it. I've bought guys' jerseys as they were free agents just because when they leave, you probably never get it again. You might regret it. Live with no regrets. Worst case scenario, you sell it on Or you get it eBay. on clearance. <laughs> if oh, they leave. If yeah. they leave, you can get a you know, you know can get a nice little Quentin Jammer jersey a couple years after that they're trying to get rid of at the store. It depends. Yeah, It depends on the website because every now and then you, you will see those guys. I got a nice mean, Igor Olshansky. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I saw a bunch of Robert Meacham jerseys for $12, and I got one yep. the year after he left, but I've, I haven't seen other guys That's about in all there. that's worth. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first Nike jersey I ever bought because I couldn't buy a $100 one. But you got ripped off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing is, is that it costs as much as the number on the jersey. So <laughs> That must have been one of the first years it was Nike, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was... Um, 2013 when cause they got him Damn in 2000 you, Robert <laughs> they got him in 2012 and then the next year went to nike oh no that was the first year of nike 2012 when they got him and then the next year they got rid of him oh and, no uh, they tried to replace vincent jackson with robert meacham oh god i know just... and you had like Dwayne bow epic fail you had Dwayne bow deshaun jackson and all these guys available and he went with robert meacham who thrived with breeze but not with rivers <laughs> And Breeze and Rivers threw so many jump balls to Meacham, and I'm like, why? He's a speed guy. He's not a jump guy. <laughs> but in the end, you know, I'm I'm happy with that jersey. So if you want to get Lamp's jersey, I'd say go with it. But I think Lamp's just saying, I don't know my my future. If you want to get my jersey, you might want to wait till I move or something. Especially as Tony says on this, you know, that he loves his name. You know, you love the name Forrest Lamp, which is all-time name i mean that's a great name to come in with that's a you know that's it's almost awesome. as good as storm norton right truly i mean just to have a jersey that just says lamp on the back of it is something funny nothing but it, beats I say ow nothing beats say ow say ow yeah because it like told you what was going to happen you know so i mean that's pretty I, good i but. remember the interview say i did with fouts when he was in high school and he goes how do you say your name he goes it's say ow it, the way to remember it is when i hit people they say ow that's all time i love that but i think there is a lesson though just if you're gonna get a jersey and it's not a team's all-time great because it's like hey if you buy an lt jersey and he leaves the jets like you still have an all-time chargers great right but i remember i mean i got like an eric weddle jersey right before he left i'm pretty sure like the year before and i was like should have wore you know should have, and I'm still happy I had it at the time because Eric Weddle is, you know, a great charger and like he'll be remembered as a charger. But it is always nice to look at, you know, what's going to happen before you go make the investment on the jersey. But he also did go back and forth with him just about how tough it was for him, you know, those first three seasons 
to have to miss pretty much every game. I mean, he had two starts in his first three seasons as a guy who was a second-round pick and was thought to be a guy who would come in and start right away. You combine that with all the factors of missing so much time during training him, just being injured and missing an entire season. I mean, he's definitely had it going against him. Finally, he got his chance to come and play this year, and he was up and down. And I think that all plays a factor, David, in whether or not the Chargers should bring him back. Because on one side, it's a little bit mysterious. You'd think, hey, he probably has more upside than maybe a guy like Dan Feeney, who we've seen a ton of, or Sam Tevy, who we've seen a lot of. We haven't seen as much as Forrest Lane, but he also comes with the injury baggage. Yeah, that's definitely something that you have to be have some concern about. I mean, coming out of college, he had all the pedigree in the world, and we thought he was going to come in and be a left tackle for us, but apparently the, the goal for him all along, or the plan all along for him, was for him to play guard, and he never could never turn that potential and that college resume into success in the NFL. I mean, his first three years, he only played 24 of an available 48 games. I mean, that's just not going to cut it in the NFL. So with that being said, yeah, it's a business and you have to make sure that, you know, you don't make any rash statements as far as, you know, where you're going to commit to when we're talking about millions of dollars in contracts here. But I think, you know, the chargers can bring back Forrest Lamp at a reasonable rate. I think $3 million, maybe three and a half max per year would probably get get it done. But, I mean, if he asks for anything more than that, then you absolutely let him walk because, I mean, you make a few cuts and you have a whole lot more couch space and you can bring in a lot more talented players than Forrest Lamp. And we were big Forrest Lamp advocators. I don't want that to get misconstrued either. I mean, we were high on the guy coming out of college and a lot of things have derailed his career so far and he might need a fresh start you know to try to recapture some of what made him so great in college but what would you think about potentially bringing back Forrest Lamp John? I would like to bring him back for depth as a guy who he has injury issues but if he's on your depth chart as depth he's not getting hurt most of the time sitting on unless the bench. he comes in because Mike Pouncey gets hurt and then immediately has to go on injured reserve as your depth piece. Yeah, well, good thing we don't have to worry about Mike Pouncey anymore. Good riddance to another injury bug on the team, so we don't have to worry about that part. But I mean, if he's on your bench as depth, there's less chance he gets hurt, and he has some value there. It, he wasn't exactly bad at offensive lineman last year. Was he great? Is he what we thought he would be? No, but he wasn't Dan Feeney and Sam Tevy bad. He was he was okay. He fit. He did his job decently. So I think he'd be a great depth piece. And Sam Tevy played the best out of those three guys, actually. And Forrest Lamp, I mean, he wasn't good. He had better games than some others. I mean, it was really his first year in the NFL, so I'm definitely willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, I mean, it's hard to make a very strong argument about it because he has missed, you know, basically most of three seasons with injuries. So it's hard to say, you know, for a team that's had so many issues with injuries that you want to bring back a guy that you know has gone injured so much but at the same time I'm sitting here saying like hey I want to see more I want to see him recapture some of that maybe this new coaching staff gives him you know a, a chance to have a short-term deal come back and prove it and practice first and prove that he should you know have a chance to start for this team again obviously with a contingency plan of hey you're still trying to upgrade that left guard position but we do have one more segment to get into because we have a Bolt B article talking about six different contracts for the Chargers that could be signed by their own internal free agents like Michael Davis and Hunter Henry coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys 
about the best protein bar on the planet. And of course, I'm talking about Built Bar, who has 18 amazing flavors, which are caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, apple almond crisp, just to name a few. And they're always coming out with new things. We told you last week about the coconut brownie chunk. There's more new things coming on the horizon. So guys, make sure you stay tuned for that. And we'll be with you here, you know, talking about it because we'll be getting some as well, which is the other great part of this. But the thing I love about Boat Bars is the fact that they taste great. And for me, if it's even no matter how good it is for me, if it doesn't taste good, I'm just not going to eat it eventually. That and the variety and the fact that they're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Those are the reasons that I love Built Bar. And right now we can even save you guys some money on Built Bar because if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. doesn't even have to be your first order. You can use it on every order you get from Built Bar. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into the final segment, and we're going to be getting into an article done by Jason Reed from BoltBeat.com, who's talking about the Chargers' internal free agents. Guys, they have headed into unrestricted free agency and what those contracts are going to look like when those guys sign, whether it's with the Chargers or not. And the guys they have on here are Tyrod Taylor, Rayshon Jenkins, Denzel Perryman, Melvin Ingram, and then I would say the two biggest ones, Hunter Henry, and Michael Davis. So I want to start with the one that I think probably will happen, David. And I think that one is Hunter Henry, a one-year $12.7 million deal on here. And that is because it's the franchise tag. And as he puts in here, the franchise tag has to be 120% pay increase. And for Hunter Henry, who would be on his second year of the tag, you would give him you know that much more. And it's going to take up $12.7 million of your salary cap. But at the same time, you lock him up. You don't get into a bidding war with any other team. At the same time, again, you might ruin you know contract negotiations for him going forward. Going forward, as he mentions in this, so I do think that there's already been some loose reporting out there that Hunter Henry will be franchise tagged again. But do you have a sense that it would be that, or do you think it could be a longer term deal? Well, I understand wanting to put him on the franchise tag just because that just guarantees that you have his services for another year, at but at a great risk. I mean, and a, a very expensive contract, a $12.7 million. And yeah, that might not be too far away from what the contract might look like on a per annum basis on a long-term deal, but... With a long-term deal, you can manipulate the salary cap and the and the cap hit number that it's going to take in the first or second year. You can front load the contract, you can back load the contract. There are a lot of things that, and you know, to the Chargers' credit, they're pretty good at at constructing those contracts in a way that gives them flexibility moving forward. So, I would imagine that I understand the franchise tag, but I think it would be better for the Chargers. Uh, and for Justin Herbert to have Hunter Henry under contract for several years so they can get that chemistry down and they can get that done. I think they've kicked the can down the road long enough. I think it's time to just get the contract done and get it out of the way. So I'll say that if the Chargers can't get a deal done to extend Hunter Henry, I think you franchise tag him. I don't think you let him have a chance to get away as you're trying to you know, negotiate this contract and then maybe you can get something done a la what we saw with Melvin Ingram. But at the same time, I understand what he's talking about on here just as far as, hey, we're not 100% sure what Hunter Henry is at this point. And also, it's like he is what he is. But at least last year, he was more healthy than he had been in years past. 
But with this window you have with Justin Herbert, to give that much money to Hunter Henry in the next few years and kind of giving yourself less, less flexibility in the off-seasons of 2022, 2023, because you have this big contract for Hunter Henry, I do understand why he would say, hey, you know, let's let it play out for another year and keep that flexibility open. But I do want to talk about two other names on here, and it's two I think he's undervaluing what the contracts will end up being. And this is not to take a shot at Jason Reed or anything, because obviously there's going to be some disagreements. I just think that these guys are going to make more than what he thinks. And I think the two guys are Michael Davis, which is three years, $20 million. So an average of $6.67 million, and Melvin Ingram. And John, we'll start with Melvin Ingram before I have you get into Michael Davis. But he has it being a two-year $5 million per season deal. So two years, $10 million for Elvin Ingram. Obviously, he's coming off of a season with zero sacks and a bunch of injuries. Before that, the two years previous, he had only seven sacks in each of those two seasons. At the same time, this does seem like the number is a little bit low. I would agree. I think that number is low. I don't think Ingram's going to want to settle for that. I think he believes in himself more. And I also, he had that quote, he said he wanted to be a tight end. So, I feel like he thinks he could go to any team and get money to either be a tight end or be their pass rusher. I think he, th- he thinks he can get more money. I don't think he would settle for that. You'd have to have some amazing stuff in that contract to make him want to sign for that much money, and I don't think the Chargers have that in them. Yeah, I, I mean, the market for aging edge rushers, there's not a ton of guys that are in the league and, and playing on contracts like that, that are, you know, over the age of 32. Uh, and a lot of those guys are guys like, you know, Cameron Jordan, Von Miller, guys like that who have been, you know, great at a certain point, which is obviously not what we're talking about here with Melvin Ingram. Obviously really good, but wasn't as impactful last year. I don't think he has a ton of leverage. I mean, the Chargers definitely need pass rush help, but it's hard to argue that he was that. You could argue the new system's going to help, but I do think, you know, when a guy like Trent Murphy is making $7.5 million and he's not even playing a lot with Buffalo, it's hard for me to believe that Melvin Ingram's going to make $5 million a season. But if there I'll was... Tell you what, or though, even guys like Devon Kennard, the- who makes like the same amount as... as that, he makes like $6.7 million, which is about the same amount as when Bradley Chubb. Yeah. I say the, he's making the same amount as Bradley Chubb and... There's also Solomon Thomas. Bradley Chubb on his rookie contract. Just saying, like, with the way that money is right there, do you think Ingram's going to be like, you want me to make less than those guys? I'm telling you what, though. If they actually extend that contract out and he says, yeah, I'll take it, I mean, you do that all day long and twice on Sunday. If you're getting $5 million for, you know, at this point, what could potentially be a situational pass rusher, because that's the other thing, too, is what is the role that you're promising? I mean, he'd probably be the starting outside linebacker. So, I mean, it is probably a starting role now I'm thinking about it, but it's hard for me to think he's going to make the same money as Alan Bailey, who's making $4.5 a year. But I would be okay with bringing back Melvin Ingram on a contract like that. I think you'd probably give yourself an out in the second year. You'd probably shift more of the money there to keep his salary cap in 2021 pretty small and obviously do some things with the signing bonus. And they have, you know, Ed McGuire for that, who's really good at those things. I think there's ways you can kind of, you know, move things around that sense, especially if it's two year. If it's one year, you can put a lot of incentives in it, but the cap hit's going to be the cap hit. There's no moving it around. So, John, the last thing I want to get into here is Rayshon Jenkins. I mean, they have Denzel Perriman on here, two years, 13.5 million, 6.75 million. He thinks that he's probably not going to come back. He also talks about, you know, him getting slightly more than Michael Davis, which, as he puts it, is crazy. And I mean, it is pretty absurd. 
Uh, I mean, he doesn't say he thinks it's crazy, but I think it is crazy. He said teams overpay for inside linebackers, but I think they pay inside linebackers like Corey Littleton and overpay them, not guys like Denzel Perriman who are in more reserve roles. But Rayshon Jenkins, three years, $15 million, $5 million per season. What would you think about that deal, John? Do you think that seems accurate? And if that is the deal, is that something you're interested in bringing back to the Chargers? Uh, for it's accurate, mm, I don't. That might be what Rayshon Jenkins thinks he's worth. Probably he might ask for somewhere other between the four and five million range. If that is the situation, if that's what Rayshon wants, then uh, <laughs> you can kick rocks. You can't even angle tackle that well, and you want that kind of money. You you shouldn't even be a starter in this league. If it wasn't for injuries, you'd be sitting on the bench playing a few snaps a game. I would, but John, I'm versatile. I can play multiple positions. Yeah, and you can't play them very well. So, uh, big whoop. I'm sure a little kid can take multiple classes in elementary school. Doesn't mean he's good at all of them. Doesn't mean he's going to get a scholarship early. <laughs> you gotta, you yeah. gotta show me you could play all these positions very well. And I would maybe go like two and a half million a year with Rayshon Jenkins if that's just to make him a backup. I, I'm not w- willing to give him that money. Yeah, I mean, I've been as critical of Rayshon Jenkins as anyone. I think he'll definitely find that deal. It's hard because the safety market, like we've seen, you know, guys like Trey Boston. I mean, the market can dry up really quickly. So it depends how the dominoes fall and especially that level of free agent where Rayshon Jenkins is. It's hard to tell, you know, if teams are going to want to give up that much money for a guy they may be unsure about with really two years of starting experience, both at different positions, one at strong safety, one at free safety, really. I do think that Rayshon Jenkins has gotten better. I mean, there's always, I mean, a couple of really mind-numbing mistakes, missed tackles, big ones, I mean, in, in some of the games the Chargers have had, some really brutal mistakes. But there's also a lot more times in 20 in 2020 where I was like, you know what? Rayshon Jenkins actually had a pretty good game. You know, that was a great play by Rayshon Jenkins. Him playing deep middle, getting that interception when he was back there basically for one play after Nazir Adderley got hurt. I mean, he's gotten better. There's certain things that it's like, I mean, can he, is he always going to miss some brutal tackles? His angle has been pretty bad, but like I said, he's played one year in each position. He hasn't had a lot of consistency there. Players can get better, right? We've just been so burned by Rayshon Jenkins that it's hard to imagine that. And obviously, if you have someone like John Johnson out there, you know, it's easy to be like, okay, well, the grass is greener over there. I'd much rather have a guy like that than spend three years, $15 million on Rayshon Jenkins. But I think starting safety, can he be a starting safety? Could he end up being an average starting safety? I don't think that's out of the question. I mean, I think he has some ball skills for sure. He definitely can make up a lot of ground on the back end. So I don't think that's totally crazy, but maybe. Who, you do, know. You think is, who, who do you think gets paid more out of the Chargers free agents that they mentioned? Do you think it's going to be Michael Davis or Hunter Henry? I mean, probably Hunter Henry. Without a doubt, I think Hunter Henry. Without a doubt, it's Hunter yeah. Henry. Because Hunter Henry I think there's no I just think that people are less than $10 million, So I yeah. think there's a chance that Michael Davis goes under $10 million. And just, I mean, for, you know, comparison. Some of the guys that he has Michael Davis making less money than, I mean, Bradley Roby, $10.5 million. I mean, that's a bad contract. Robert Alford makes $7.5 million. Steven Nelson got $8.5 million just, I mean, last offseason. So it's hard for me to believe Michael Davis is going to make less than those guys or, you know, wouldn't be asking for more than those guys. He also isn't a top flight corner. It's going to, I think, depend on how much other teams, you know, if I was his agent, I mean, I would be talking about as the next, you know, Deion Sanders. Obviously, he's not, but 
I think he has some leverage there because I don't think the Chargers have a backup plan behind Michael Davis. So I think when those talk happens, it's like, okay, well, give me this or the next guy up is Brandon Faison. Good luck. Right. Well, I, so <laughs> I would also say that just what you said, there's a chance he goes under 10 million. I think that alone tell, makes it the obvious end that Hunter Henry's going to get more money because none of us are going to sit oh, here sure. and go, there's a chance Hunter Henry will sign for under $10 million. Nobody on this no. show is going to say that. I mean, the franchise tag no, is $12 No, because if million. you don't, somebody else will, right? Yeah, and the that's franchise the tag is $12 million for him, $12.7 million. So right. he's going to be getting somewhere around there for sure. So Michael Davis is not even going to I really just brought million. this up only to, to remind people that Michael Davis is going to get a whole lot more money than you might imagine. I just I really think people out there are kind of undervaluing this a little bit, especially this article. I think he's he's not going to get anywhere well, close to six. I think it's going to be closer to nine or ten a year. Well, I mean, there's also situations that blow our minds. I mean, Adrian Phillips signed a cheap deal, right, with the Patriots, I mean, and we were sitting there like, what? That's all it would have taken. He was him? one of the best kept secrets in the league for a while, though. That was a that was an interesting one. Yeah, because so, he really came on as a defender only like what the last year and a half he played with the Chargers is a major part of their defense, even though he was always you know their best special teams guy. I mean, I think there's more of a chance that he gets more than ten million than he gets six point six seven million or less than that. I think this would be so around the eight million a year mark. I think it's I think like eight eight and a half is going to be the mark for Michael Davis. I th- I don't think he's going to touch ten million. I think there's a chance he can get 10 million but i don't think he's going to touch it. i think there's going to be some cases that the chargers have also that say you know i don't know about th- about that but i can give you this and give you more i don't know guaranteed money or something sure and but the thing is for me still is like he has more of the leverage in those talks with the chargers and i, I don't want to get too bogged down in this we're already going a little bit long but the chargers don't have a backup plan for michael davis they can roll the dice and head into the draft without him, but that's putting you in a pretty bad spot if you don't pick up, you know, a solid outside corner in this free agency class. And when I look at this free agency class in the outside corners, I mean, Michael Davis is up there, you know what I mean, as far as the guys that are options. So they're going to want to get this done, I think, before he ever makes it to free agency because you don't want to get into a bidding war over Michael Davis because he's much more important to this team than I think some people think. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Thanks for joining us, you guys. If you don't already, make sure to go follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page at LockedOnChargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there and make sure to rate and review. We'd really appreciate it. If you guys want to get your voices on the show, the voicemail number is 323-524-7924, and we're trying to get every Chargers voicemail on the show. We might even get another one in this week, maybe even on tomorrow's show. But tomorrow's show, I do want to talk about some stuff that Daniel Popper had in his mailbag. And then on Friday, I want to get into some free agent Friday stuff. So maybe we'll talk about the Chargers with a couple of reunions with guys like Tyrell Williams or even Jason Verrett. And also, you know, some of the other guys like Kawan Short, who just got released, or even J.J. Watt. So a lot to get into the rest of the week, guys. So make sure you check back in with us. But that's going to do it for us today. We'll talk to you guys later. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.